Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn. And I'm Andrea Ballard. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. On today's show, we're continuing our culinary tour of the USA with a special treat from the Southwest, Bizchochito, the state cookie of New Mexico, and really fun to say. We'll also learn the official state desserts of some of the other 49 states and review our Boston cream pie, the official state dessert of Massachusetts. So grab some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, back in episode 25, you talked about making a checkerboard cake for your son's birthday. I'm wondering if you have an update for us on that one. I do. Well, ultimately, it turned out really well, and I'm glad I stuck with it. But it was one of those days in the kitchen where everything was just kind of going the wrong way. And um, so in this cake, listeners, my my son had asked for a checkerboard cake, which if you picture it, when you slice into it, you see the the white cake and the dark cake alternating like a checkerboard. And I had done some research. I didn't want to buy a specific cake pan for this. And I had done some research and found on goodhousekeeping.com that you just put the batter in a plastic bag, snip off the corner, and then pipe it around in circles and bake it like that. So I thought, great. So that means you have to bake or make two cake batters. So I had <laughs> like a yellow two. cake and a, a chocolate cake. I did or? a white I did a white cake and I did a chocolate cake. Okay. And I had to find recipes that were fairly consistent as far as texture because I didn't want one that was more liquidy and would be more runny because they needed to kind of hold their shape as I'm piping them. Well, that's what I was just thinking is how do you keep them from kind of oozing into the other so well, you don't just get like a light brown. Yeah, so stand by. <laughs> um, Uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah, so so I picked two that were really similar ingredient-wise, liquid-wise, and I felt confident about their texture. The white was a little runnier. So I'm, I have them in the bags. I snip off the corner, and I start piping it around. And what happens but the top of the Ziploc bag unzips and just batter goes Oh, no. Out the top. It was like a volcanic explosion of chocolate cake batter. So I'm covered in batter. The counter's covered in batter. And I just, I'm thinking, of course, I had chosen an unwise day to do this. I was kind of in a rush, which is why these things happen. Right. And anyway, I kind of like scoop some up and I put it back in the bag. And um, so I salvaged the most of the chocolate. And then the white, the minute I put it in there, yes, it started running into the into the chocolate. So I just oh. thought, I've got to like hurry. I've got to get this in the oven and just it'll firm up as it bakes. Anyway, put it in the oven. They baked up. So I think in a perfect checkerboard cake, you would have like the perfect bullseye of chocolate white, chocolate sure. white. And the the layers would be like really crisp. Mine looked like uh, <laughs> like a watercolor painting that had been left in the rain. <laughs> so it was it was very wavy. But here's the thing. So I thought, you know what? This is the cake, and I already told him it was an experiment. I hadn't done this before, and it was right. you know we're gonna see. And when we cut into it, I was holding my breath. Those layers actually still look like a checkerboard. 
I can't explain it. It wasn't like super crisp, but it was definitely like white, brown, you white, could, brown. You, you could, okay. and he was like, it's my checkerboard cake, mom. I thought, yes. <laughs> oh, well, you'll have to post some pictures on the Facebook page because I, you know, when you asked me if I knew what it was, this is, I kind of imagined that's what it would look like, but I still am having trouble thinking about it. So I'd love to see what it actually turned out. Did you put any frosting on top or was it just the cake? I did a chocolate frosting. Okay. Yes. And and it was just it was glorious. I was holding my breath and then I cut into it and there was my checkerboard. So And did um, you ever find out where your young son came up with this request? It's still a mystery. I <laughs> You know, if it was just that he really wanted kind of – he thought he was kind of getting like two cakes in one maybe. There's that maybe, maybe going on. Or, maybe. Um, yeah. But so listeners, I can recommend doing one without the pan, but you just have to to be careful and, and uh, especially that those batters are the same consistency I think yeah. is most important. But yeah, I know. Checkerboard cake. Well, I'm glad it turned out and it sounds like the most important thing was that your son was happy with it and that's always such a good feeling. It was. Absolutely. Let's move on and take a look at something we both baked last week, which is our Boston cream pie. So this came from the food blog Sugar and Soul. And what did you think about it, Stefan? It was a little bit different in that it was a triple layer, which um, I don't think is traditional. But otherwise, it seemed to be a pretty traditional Boston cream pie. It was. And overall, I really loved this pie um, cake. And <laughs> But I have cake. to say that I made quite a few quite a few modifications and I believe that led to my success. So I just want to share share that. So first of all, yes, it's a triple layer. I don't have three uh, six-inch pans, however. So she also notes you can make it in two nine-inch. So that's what I did. So mm-hmm. mine was a double layer. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that this pastry cream, so a Boston cream pie is a uh, vanilla cake with a layer of pastry cream, like a vanilla custard, but a little bit thicker, and then topped with um, chocolate ganache. I thought this pastry cream was delicious. And one of the reasons I thought it worked so well is that you use a vanilla bean and you Mm -hmm. soak the milk and the custard has a very, very strong, just just a really delicious um, pastry cream vanilla flavor. I liked that a lot. I agree. Um, it was it was just um, you know it's it's a fairly simple dessert and those flavors just really shone through, um, and just some things you know again we had talked a few episodes ago about best practices we do um, when making that pastry cream here she does um, pass it through a sieve to remove any lumps I think that's really important I would have done that even if the recipe hadn't specified that. And, and one thing is that, you know, if, if that process starts going too fast for you, you can always just yank it off the heat. You mm-hmm. know, that's you can just take a pause and, and whisk it down and cool mm-hmm. it down and then start again. Um, yeah, so I, I thought that was a delightful pastry cream. Um, the cake was fairly, fairly easy. Uh, we had talked uh, when we introduced this dessert that we're, we're not going to beat that for three minutes on high after everything was right. incorporated. So I just really did a... Um, mix to make sure everything was incorporated, but that's where I stopped and the cake was fine. Um, and then you you have a very simple um, ganache. I, I note that I thought it was somewhere between a ganache and a sauce, but not a frosting. And I had a lot left over. It's called, um, Andrea, do you know that Cakes Without Frosting now have a new name? No. They're called Naked Cakes. <laughs> oh, big surprise. And they're really hot right now. So oh, okay. That's what this is. It just has the ganache on top. Um, I had a bit of a hard time um, 
it firmed up quite a bit, and uh, so I had to nuke it for a, a couple minutes to oh, get okay. it back to cool. But um, yeah, I, I thought, and my son, I have a note here. He said, "Mom, this cake is a new level of deliciousness." Oh. <laughs> I love that one of our, our best requesters and testers is our smallest, our youngest yes, audience right. member. That's so great. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, how about you, Andrea? How'd it go for you? Well, um, <laughs> it, it, it went okay. You know, ultimately, I'm just not sure I'm a cake person. Um, you know, we started preheated with cake month and I tried to sort of beef up my cake cake baking chops. You realize when you go to do something that you don't do on a regular basis that there's just a lot of things you don't understand. Yeah. And um, as you know, Stefan, from a couple of my panicked texts, there's just some things that don't make sense to me because I don't bake cakes regularly. Okay. I also find that there's just an enormous amount of bowls <laughs> being used when you bake yeah. cakes. It's, it's just different from my other baking. I'm kind of a like one bowl brownie kind of gal. So, you know, with the pastry cream, um, I did love the flavor of that. I mean, I think I could eat that just as almost a pudding or yes. a dessert. I thought it was fabulous. I did want to ask you, do you have any trick to scraping the seeds out of the vanilla bean? You know, I just always find that I, I take a small paring knife and I, I run it right down the middle of the bean and then I try and get the knife into the bean to scrape out the seeds. But it, it just always feels kind of tricky to me. Yeah, that's essentially what I do, too. I try to make you so you slit the bean and then I try to like flatten it as much as I can with the knife. The nice oh, thing about okay. the nice thing about this recipe too is though after you scrape out the seeds, you then just dump the the bean back into the milk and let it infuse. So I felt like that was kind of washing out maybe some extra that I, I hadn't been able to get. I did too. So okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't um, missing something on that. My other question on the pastry cream. Well, I always get nervous when I see boil milk. I mean, that to me totally. is just asking for, a, you know, a film on top and lumps on the bottom. So I I didn't do the, um, I mean, I kept it maybe over more like a medium low heat. And as soon as I saw the bubbles around the edge is when I, I set it aside. So as opposed to, you know, how it says, let it boil. Um, I also was confused about running it through the sieve mm -hmm. and then recooking it. Like to me, the whole reason of running it through a sieve is to remove any lumps that might have formed while cooking. So, I mean, I did it, um, but I just thought that was odd. Yeah, that's just a double sieve. Maybe that's just for extra protection okay. there. Okay. Um, because nothing was left behind in my sieve when I did that. Um, so I just kind of thought, well, I wonder if that was in the right order. But then, and then again, it said cook it over medium high heat, whisking constantly. So I did not leave the pan. I mean, I just stood there right there. I don't know that I did medium high because I was too nervous. I probably did more like a medium. And sure enough, a couple of minutes in, all of a sudden it just turned really thick yes. all of a sudden and started to boil. So I just, I just removed it from the heat and stirred the butter in and and then let it chill. Um, when I came to the cake making part, this is where I, you know, ran into some problems. So I also don't have any six inch pans, much less three of them. So I did the same thing. I used the nine inch pans for a double layer. Okay. And, you know, the instructions say spray the nine inch pans with cooking spray, cut out parchment paper for the bottoms of the pans. And so I was confused about whether I should grease the pans and then put the parchment paper on top. And you and I spoke and I ended up doing what you recommended. I greased the pans, I put the parchment paper on top, and then I 
put cooking spray on top of the parchment paper, and I'm happy to report there was zero sticking. They Good. both came out of the pan beautifully. Good. Yes. It's just that double. I think the first grease is so the parchment sticks to the pan. Okay. And then doesn't shift around. Not that there's much room for it to shift around, yeah. but – yeah. I had a really good idea for a new product when I was oh. making this cake. So yes. sometimes I splurge and I buy the pre-cut parchment that's just for the jelly roll size. Have you ever seen those? Yes. Okay. I get those from King Arthur. Why don't they make those for a cake pan? Or or do they? And I just they don't do, know. They do, and they're really oh. expensive. Oh, of course they are. But yeah. every time I'm like tracing around my pie or, or my cake pan, I'm like, why? <laughs> I know. They do make them. They're expensive. And I think for people who are really using them on a regular basis, they then feel like, well, I need nine inch ones. I need eight inch ones. I need six inch ones. So yeah, that's just, a good point. It's probably, you yeah. know, ends up being easier to, to have the parchment. Um, I used to put my pan on top of my parchment and then draw a circle around yeah. it and then try and kind of cut inside of that circle. Mm-hmm. What I've been doing lately, I put the pan upside down on the counter. I put the parchment on top of the bottom of the pan, and then I just sort of bend the parchment around the shape of the pan. Oh. And and it sort of leaves like a white line. Well, like you're almost making a mold. Almost. Yeah. And then I just pull it off and cut, and that works just fine, too. So it's a little bit easier. You don't have to haul out a pen and try and trace and... You know, I'll you're just try trying that. to you know, you're just trying to get that basic, you know, shape and, and get it a little bit smaller than the pan. Got it. Um, nice. Uh, as you know, I had the complete freak out panic. I put my cakes <laughs> in the oven. There they were baking away. I was feeling so satisfied with myself. And I turned around and I saw sitting on my counter the baking powder. Oh, the worst. And I looked at it and I thought, I have no memory of using this. Mm-mm. Right. And... You know, the instructions say three and a half teaspoons. That's a lot. It's a lot. And I thought to myself, you know, if I had done that, I would have done one tablespoon and then a half a teaspoon. Okay. And I just was staring at my measuring. Are you you like looking for the residue? (laughs) Yes, looking for the residue. And... I just thought, oh, man. And I, you know, my cakes were still fairly fresh in the oven. I'm thinking, can I kind of sprinkle it in now? And I was like, no, that's just, that would be a disaster. So I just thought, well, if they don't rise, I'll know I didn't use it, right? Isn't that what baking powder does? Yeah, sure. It's a lovely thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, sure enough, they rose to the top of the pan. So I, I must have done it and just completely forgotten. And maybe I rinsed them out. And that's why, or I, I bet I used the same measuring for the rum and the vanilla. And that's why I, I, I didn't see the residue of the baking powder. Yeah, I'm looking at the oh. other. I know. I, I was looking at the other measurements to see what you might have used that for. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, the worst a little, feeling. Little touch and go there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I did have leftover ganache. That was not a problem. I ate it with a spoon. I can <laughs> highly recommend it. <laughs> I thought that was fabulous. Um, I did my cake a little bit different. So I love her picture on the Sugar and Soul website of the, you know, she obviously did the triple layer, the six inch, and it's on this cute little cake pedestal. And you can see the drips down the side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had so much ganache. I wasn't really paying attention. I just dumped it on top of the cake. Well, I had so much, the whole entire sides of my cake are covered. So you don't okay. see any of the cake or the cream. 
But I mean, that's fine. It doesn't matter. More chocolate is always good in, in my book. And then I still had leftovers. So definitely, if you're low on chocolate chips or heavy cream, I think you could cut this ganache back in half on both and still be fine. I agree. Yeah, it was a generous amount of ganache for the this kind of style I was expecting to, to frost this cake with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought all the flavors were really great. And uh, yeah, I, I really liked this one. So that yeah. was on um, Sugar and Soul. And you can find, we will have the link up on our website. Uh, this is episode 27. And let us know how that goes. And, you know, if we have listeners from the Boston area, too, we'd love to know if there's there's a uh, particularly famous or well-known recipe uh, from your region that you turn to. That would be great to know. Yeah. When I was looking it up, I think when I was looking for different pictures, just because I always like to see what the final result is supposed to look like, I noticed a couple of places sell mini Boston cream pies in the mm. bakeries in that area. And I thought, oh, that would be fun to do. I'm not sure. Mate. I wonder what you would do if you would do them maybe in little muffin tins. Mm-hmm. I was thinking then, like a little probably. cupcake with the with the filling yes. and then just a little dab of chocolate. Oh, yes, wouldn't that be good? That would so be really good. I might actually do that next time. <gasps> oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. okay. Well, keep us posted. Exciting. I will. Yeah. Well, moving on from Massachusetts down to the Southwest, we are going to introduce the state cookie of New Mexico, and it is called a bizchochito. Uh, I've talked in the past about a great website called whatscookingamerica.com, and it is a wonderful resource if you're interested in regional foods and the history of foods. And so we took a look there. That's where this recipe comes from, so we'll link to that. Uh, New Mexico was the first state to declare a state cookie, and that was back in 1989. Um, Interestingly, New Jersey, this is also the state cookie of New Jersey, so, you know, totally opposite sides of the country with the same same cookie. Um, So New Mexico, though, was the first state to have an official state cookie, and this is – particularly served at special celebrations such as weddings, baptisms, and religious holidays, especially around Christmas time. And typically, um, Andrea, it's served with hot cocoa. Uh, So that is, it has, um, it's like a sugar cookie flavored with anise, which is a licorice flavor. Um, Have you ever eaten a bizchichito? No, I had never eaten it. I had never heard of it. And I did want to give listeners that heads up. I actually have anise seed in my pantry um, because I um, we typically buy a whole pig every year. And, we, you know, the butcher cuts it up and we get all the various pieces and parts. Right. And instead of them making me uh, seasoned sausage, I just have them grind the pork so I get just plain pork sausage and then I add my own spices. So if I want to make a breakfast sausage, I might have more, you know, savory in it. And if I want to make a Italian type sausage, that's where I put in the aniseed and the fennel. So um, I don't know about the rest of you, but that's the only reason I had aniseed in my pantry. It's not something I normally bake with. No, and I'm going to need to go out to the bulk spice section and find that. And um, then one, I don't think the recipe specifically says this, but I'm going to crush that with maybe like in a Ziploc bag with a rolling pin oh, okay. just to release the flavor a little bit. Oh, that's uh, a great idea. These look, these look really straightforward. It is, it's like a sugar cookie dough. Um, Andrea, it says you can either roll it out and cut it or you could just do like a ball shape, almost like a snickerdoodle. Do you have an idea what you might do? Uh, which is easier? Uh, the ball. The yep, ball shape. I'll be, I'll be balling it then. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> 
silly question. Yeah, I mean, rolling it out and cutting it, that's it's, it's just a whole other layer of work. So I, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. saved that for my holiday cookies. <laughs> but it is interesting that you could go both ways. You know, sure. So, sure. Um, uh, anyway, so that is the Biz Chochito, and that's from the What's Cooking America website, and they have lots of great uh, regional stuff up there. So check them out, and uh, it has nice pictures in the recipe, and uh, really straightforward and easy. So would love to know um, if you make these regularly from New Mexico or New Jersey or otherwise, and then how this one turns out for you. Yes, we hope you'll bake along with us on this one and post your pictures. It looks like a really fun cookie, and I love saying it. So, so Andrea, while we were researching uh, these regional treats, uh, I started running across the fact that many states have an official state dessert or an official state cookie, as in the case of, of New Jersey and New Mexico. Um, unfortunately, sadly, Washington State does not. What the heck? I know it. I think you and I should petition for Marion Barry Flummery. Ooh, I like it. I I wonder if we're so focused on our apples, you know, that the apple lobby has sort of a stranglehold on the state. Could be. We could could make some sort of apple dessert. I mean, why not apple pie? Why not? Grandma's homemade or, you know, just just traditional apple pie, I think, right? Well, Uh if by grandma's homemade, you truly mean grandma's homemade (laughs) and not the wacky deconstructed thing you had once. No, I know. Um, um, but I did want to call out three that I thought were interesting and also were desserts that I hadn't had. So um, Alabama's state dessert is a lane cake. Have you had a lane cake, Andrea? It's a really Southern dessert. You know, I went to college in Alabama and I have no memory of a lane cake. But maybe once you tell me what it is, I'll, I'll realize that I did have it. Well, now that I'm rereading my notes, I'm thinking maybe you didn't like this because one of the prime ingredients is raisins. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> but here we go. Um, a lane cake, which is also known as an Alabama lane cake or a prize cake, is a bourbon-soaked layer cake with raisins, pecans, and coconut. And it's usually frosted with like one of those very like kind of white billowing like a divinity frosting. Very Ooh. kind of regal. Oh my gosh, that sounds really good. That's Alabama's state dessert. Okay. Um, Indiana state dessert is a sugar cream pie, which is also known as the Hoosier pie or the oh, in- yeah. Indiana farm pie or a finger pie. And I couldn't figure out what that was about, but those are three um, aliases. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little frightening. But so it's a cream pie without an egg. It's four ingredients. It's cream, oh. sugar, flour, and vanilla. That's it. So, Sounds like our desperation pie. Yep, absolutely, doesn't investigate it. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Maryland's state dessert is a Smith Island cake. And this mm-hmm. was maybe the most fascinating cake. So Smith Island is an island off the coast of Maryland that kind of straddles the Maryland-Virginia line. It's accessible only by boat. It's been inhabited since the 1600s, and is um, since it's a fairly isolated community, it really grew out of people who worked on the water and their families. Um, and so the Smith Island cake is eight to ten layers of yellow cake with chocolate frosting between each layer. Yum. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a lot of work. The um, My favorite phrase from this, and I found this information um, on the – Library of Congress, actually. Here's my favorite sentence. This isolated culture has a penchant for multi-layer cakes. <laughs> Does that mean they were just really bored and they had hours to spend slicing their cakes? And de- for multi-layer cakes. <laughs> well, yeah. it's, funny. it's funny that you say that because um, 
you know, we looked up Louisiana, my home state, and they don't have a state dessert. Right. Uh, um, although they do have an official state donut, the beignet. Delicious, which is which basically I, a dessert, right? It is basically yeah. a dessert. I mean, I eat it for breakfast when I'm there, but it certainly would be good. I mean, it's hot fried dough covered in powdered sugar. So oh, stop. That's <laughs> yeah, good any time of day. But the funny thing is, when I think of Louisiana and a cake that's unique to that area, it's it's pronounced a dobage cake, but it's spelled D-O-B. B-E-R-G-E, and I believe it has a French origin, oh. and it is a seven or eight layer cake. Okay. And that, that's one of those things that I often um, think my sister-in-law, that's her favorite cake. And so for her birthday, she'll always request one of those. And every year I think to myself, I wonder if I could make uh, no, I don't. I mean, I don't even finish this sentence. I know that that's so far out of my skill set and my patience level that it's just not going to happen. So is it a particular flavor of cake or can it be kind of any flavor? It can be, it can be any. I mean, I think when I was a kid, they would be maybe lemon or chocolate, but you can imagine these days. I mean, it's anything and everything. So each... Um, layer would be the same in terms of the cake flair flavor, but then the cream filling in between can be all sorts of different things. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I've never heard of that. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll post a picture of those too, because they're really fun. But it, And it is interesting that these multi-layer cakes really seem to have a Southern, right? Maryland, Alabama, Louisiana. That's, you yeah, know. That is interesting. Um, just hmm. those big, just when you think of like, oh my gosh, a show-stopping cake, you know? Right. Yeah, just that big fluffy cake. I mean, that is why I do love my Southern Living magazine because mm -hmm. some months it comes and the cover photo is just this amazing cake. Yes, it's it's just yeah, a drool worthy cake. Um, a little a little tip for anyone who um, has not had beignets or who has had beignets and wants to recreate them. I mean, they do sell beignet mix, uh, but I've never done that. When I was growing up, my, what my mom would do is we would buy a can of the refrigerated biscuit dough and crack that open and cut each biscuit into quarters. And then, of course, get a little hot oil going on the stove and just pop those into the hot oil and, you know, wait until they're brown on each side, turn them over a few times, and then we'd throw them into a paper bag that had confectioner's sugar in it. And that was always our job as kids was to shake the bag and, and get the, the hot donuts or hot biscuits um, all covered in the confectioner's sugar. And that's such a fun thing for kids. So oh, that's, your, that's your little quick and easy homemade beignet tip. So don't let the kids near the hot oil on the stove, but let them do the shaking of the donuts in the bag because that's really fun for them. That is That sounds delightful. Yeah. Well, listeners, if you are in a state that we haven't mentioned and you have a fun, you know, you have a fun state dessert or state cookie, anything like that, it's just a lot of fun to hear these kind of things. And, you know, regional treats are are very specific. And so oftentimes treats that, that other folks around the country haven't had or experienced. So we'd love to know if you have experience with any of the ones we mentioned and then and then any others, too. Yes, we'd really love to hear about the ones that are special to your area, and pictures are always welcome. We love seeing things as well. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get back to our dishes. Join us next week as we continue our month of patriotic love with a trip over to Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, including desserts. Let's find out. We'll check out their classic tex Texas sheet cake. <laughs> 
Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, or you can download us on iTunes, where we'd love it if you subscribe to the show and gave us a review, both of which will help other people find us. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.